Prologue Mukhtar's Big Wedding, September 2002 Life changed for Mukhtar al-Bakri and five of his friends on an otherwise beautiful, crisp September day. He could remember the precise moment when he stepped into the gloom. It started with his hotel room door crashing open. September 9th, 2002 was supposed to be the most important day of 21-year-old Mukhtar al-Bakri's short life. His wedding to the teenage daughter of a family friend in Bahrain had been an elaborate affair, something beyond what the al-Bakri family could really afford. His arrival at the wedding hall was greeted by the beating of drums and a cacophony of traditional instruments. The sisters of his bride playfully welcomed each guest with a gentle tap, a sort of blessing, from a stick wrapped in flowers. Attendants donned flowing white gowns and long Arabian headscarves. The bride wore a modest white veil. Waiters lurched under the weight of plates piled high with food. There were dutiful prayers to Allah. It was everything Maktar al-Bakri had envisioned. The proceedings were dignified yet oddly fun. It marked a fresh start for him, a new, better phase of his life. Maktar's friends had been surprised, even perplexed, at how seriously he was taking his newfound responsibility. The wedding kindled extraordinary emotions and hopes within him. Frankly, it wasn't like Maktar. He was generally carefree and hardly one to suddenly reorder his life. That might explain why they were alarmed when Mukhtar called one of them before the wedding to say goodbye. "'You won't be hearing from me again,' Mukhtar had said over the crackling of a long-distance connection. Why he sounded so fatalistic just before what should have been a joyous occasion is unclear. Maybe, like many people his age, he was being overly dramatic, as one phase of his life closed and another began. He said later he just meant it as a joke— that he was going to drop out of sight for a while and try his hand at being a dutiful husband instead of a hard-partying twenty-something. To his friends, the message sounded ominous. When they started calling each other recounting Mukhtar's message, an entirely different audience was also listening. To the years of the FBI investigators tracking the call, the talk of the big wedding indicated not a blowout party in Bahrain, but something else entirely. What they thought they heard, all too clearly was the signature farewell of a suicide bomber. The dialogue of a young man about to meet his maker. As the first anniversary of the September 11th attacks grew closer, America was on high alert. It appeared her enemies, Islamic fundamentalists bent on destruction, were gearing up for something. Mukhtar's phone call fit neatly into a perceived pattern of events. The FBI had worked up a list of potential targets in the days leading up to the anniversary. Attacks on military bases in the Middle East were at the top of the list, and Mukhtar's phone call seemed like a break, a clue amid an ocean of information pouring into the American intelligence community. The military went on Delta Alert, its highest state of readiness, shortly after the intercept. The young man from Lackawanna who was determined to reorder his life had no idea what his talk about a big wedding had set in motion. Mukhtar al-Bakri was settled under the sheets for the first time with his teenage bride, just before the police burst into his hotel room. He had no idea that only hours earlier his name was on the lips of officials at the highest levels of the U.S. government. The FBI and CIA had been briefing President George W. Bush and Vice President Dick Cheney regularly about al-Bakri and his friends. Bush and Cheney then gave the order that would make Mukhtar's big day memorable for all the wrong reasons. Bahraini police officers swarmed around al-Bakri's wedding bed with their guns drawn, sights trained in his direction. They hustled him from his hotel bed and snapped on handcuffs. 
He recalled the sound of his teenage bride in tears as the police bundled him down the corridor, lamenting that he never had the chance to consummate his marriage. He knew that there must be some mistake. It never occurred to him that the Bahrain commandos who arrested him had burst into the room expecting to find guns and explosives, perhaps even a suicide vest, instead of a terrified young man. A short time later, and nearly halfway around the world, other arrests followed Al-Bakri's. Unmarked sedans and police cars came to quick stops in front of houses and malls and delis. One by one, police and FBI agents rounded up Al-Bakri's friends and pushed them into the back seats of cruisers. Anyone watching would have said they all looked scared and baffled. To a man, they were all obedient and compliant, nodding numbly when they were advised of their rights. It took only minutes for news of the arrests to filter through the tightly knit Yemeni community. The bulletins were met instantly with shaking.